So will you turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 7, page 545 in the Church Bible and 775 in the large print. Psalm 7. Lord my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me, or they will tear me apart like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. Lord my God, if I have done this and there is guilt on my hands, if I have repaid my ally with evil or without cause have robbed my foe, then let my enemy pursue and overtake me. Let him trample my life to the ground and make me sleep in the dust. Arise, Lord, in your anger. Rise up against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God. Decree justice. Let the assembled peoples gather around you while you sit enthroned over them on high. Let the Lord judge the peoples. Vindicate me, Lord, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity, O Most High. Bring to an end the violence of the wicked and make the righteous secure. You, the righteous God, who probes minds and hearts. My shield is God most high, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. If he does not relent, he will sharpen his sword, he will bend and string his bow, he has prepared his deadly weapons. He makes ready his flaming arrows. Whoever is pregnant with evil conceives trouble and gives birth to disillusionment. Whoever digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit they have made. The trouble they cause recoils on them. Their violence comes down on their own heads. I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing the praises of the name of the Lord Most High. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Uh, let us pray uh, before we open his word. Thank you, Lord, uh, that we have this opportunity uh, to dig into Psalm 7, uh, I just pray, Lord, that you'd be with uh, with us, that you'd speak through me, and uh, anything that I do say that is not of you would depart from our ears. And I just pray that you would speak to us and speak into our lives, that we may apply uh, what David has said in this psalm to our own lives. And so I pray, Lord, uh, that you'd bless this evening, uh, tonight, uh, and that we'd learn from it. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Uh, the BBC pays Sir Cliff Richard uh, two million pound uh, in final settlement uh, after a privacy case. Uh, read the headline in September last year. 
uh, said Cliff was falsely accused uh, of sexual assault um, and over around a a five-year period uh, he was in numerous uh, court cases uh, and it was eventually found out that he was innocent. Uh, this is fake news, and we hear about it so often uh, today, uh, and it's hard to know, uh, to discern what is true uh, and what is fake, but Sir Cliff was um, proven innocent um, of this, um, but it still left a bit of feeling, because um, it, it you know, took a long time. He was, he was accused of this in uh, 2014, so um, it, it took a long time, um, and it must have... You know, cause a lot of problems. So how do we deal with, you know, how would we deal with a situation uh, like that? And uh, in Psalm 7, uh, we actually see David has been falsely accused of something, and we can learn from him. Um, we see in verse 3, um, it says, Lord my God, if I have done this, um, we can see that he's been accused of something. But it, it goes on to say, ask the Lord for help, which means he, you know, he obviously doesn't think he has done this thing. Um, so how would you, di- you know, how would you um, address a situation like this uh, in a situation where you could possibly use, lose your life as well? We, we see how uh, scared David was, uh, even in verse 2, where it says, um, or they will tear me apart like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one uh, to rescue me. How do we deal with a situation uh, like this? Uh, we are carrying on in our series, Prayer in Times of Trouble. Uh, and today is, is when uh, I feel uh, oppressed. Uh, and in this passage is a guideline David has set out of what we can do when we are being falsely accused, when we have situations uh, like this. And I pray and hope that we'd be able to apply this into our own lives as well uh, for situations that we may even be in today or come across uh, in the future. Um, So approaching a situation uh, like this is so hard. What do we do first? What is our first response? I think looking at my own life, uh, uh, what I would do uh, in this situation is just to hit it head on. I'd say to the people, I I didn't do such a thing. We don't know what David was accused of here, Um, but you know, it must be a private thing of me, but I actually would be more worried of what people think about me than what people would do to me. So I would hit the situation uh, head on. But that's not what David did. No, no. Uh, David went straight to the Lord. He turned to the Lord. Let's read verse 1. Uh, listen to these words. Lord my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me. David's first response was to call out to the Lord for rescue he humbled himself before God realizing his own weakness and recognizing uh, God's own strength like we were singing uh, before I'm always uh, reminded uh, of James chapter 4 verse 6 uh, Colin was actually talking about uh, you know having a humble heart uh, this morning but I, I love especially James chapter 4 verse 6 it, it, it's worded so well in the New King James version it says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Uh, it was actually a quotation from Proverbs, and we must always come to God uh, in humility, recognizing God and understanding God's power, abundant power, and our own helplessness. 
God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So David turned to the Lord with a humble heart, asking for protection from his enemies. But look what he also did. Uh, Let me read uh, verses 3 to 6 I I mentioned earlier. Let me read these for you. Lord my God, if I have done this and there is guilt on my hands, if I have repaid my ally with evil or without cause have robbed my foe, then let my enemy pursue and overtake me. Let him trample my feet to the ground and let me sleep in the dust. Arise, Lord, in your anger. Rise up against the rage of my enemy. Awake, my God, decree justice. David sought the Lord uh, to reveal uh, to him whether he was in the wrong. He examined himself to see if he, he, he had done a wrongdoing. This is something we're commanded to do as well as Christians. Um, familiar. Uh, reference is when we take communion um, we're commanded to examine ourselves before we come to the table and eat of the bread and, and drink uh, of, the, of the wine uh, let me read it to you from uh, 1 Corinthians 11 so then whoever eats the bread uh, there it is whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Now, in the same way, if we come to the Lord without examining ourselves, if we come to the Lord um, with a problem that we're actually in the wrong for, then we just bring judgment on ourselves. We must examine ourselves like David did. Uh, this is my dog. Uh, you asked the, the question, Colin, uh, whether you're a dog or cat person. I'm definitely a dog person. This is my dog, uh, Daisy. And she's a lovely dog. Uh, I think she's the best dog in the world, personally. Um, but there's a story uh, in this. Um, my, she's a placid dog. She loves. She's able to uh, be with kids, which is really helpful because we have little cousins. Uh, and I have a, a really little cousin called called Grace. She's two years old. Now, now Grace loves the bones out of Daisy, but she's also terrified of her because she's twice the size of her. So it's, you know, it's understandable. But what, it's fascinating to watch her because what she will do when she comes to our house is wait for Daisy to lie down, to go to sleep, to just look away. And she will sneakily sneak towards uh, Daisy really carefully and slowly and quietly uh, in order for Daisy not to notice. And she'll get that close that she'll try and touch Daisy and stroke her because she, she wants to, to, to be able to cuddle Daisy. But if Daisy moved an inch, she will scream and cry for help and for rescue. Now she knows that she's putting herself in that situation and she knows the consequence of if David, if David, if Daisy turns around, she, she's scared. She knows that consequence. Now it, it's a silly illustration, but, but we can relate to it as well. There's a danger of us getting into a problem that we've made ourselves and crying out to the Lord, help me. But with a false innocence. We know the consequences and, and we cry out to the Lord. So we must do what David did and examine uh, ourselves before the Lord. 
So that is, is David's first response to a situation like this. He turns to God immediately. And I'd like to ask you, what is your first response in a situation like this? Would you maybe turn to friends and family first before going to God? Not that's a bad thing going to family and friends because God can, you know, surely use them in your life. But to go there first without seeking God is undermining his authority in your life. So what is your response? What is your first response to a situation like this? Now, David goes on in his prayer uh, to the Lord with quite a bold request. Um, It always fascinates me and and takes me back a bit of the petitions that David brings to to God uh, about judgment. Um, crying out for judgment to be carried out on his enemies. Uh, especially verse 6, it, it jumps out at me. Um, let, let me read it to you. Arise, Lord, in your anger. Rise up against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God. Decree justice. These are powerful words that David is saying. Are, are we able to pray for judgment on people? Can I, um, sitting in traffic on a motorway, uh, and you have this ridiculous driver who goes down the hard shoulder trying to skip the traffic. Can I pray judgment on that driver? Or even a uh, next door neighbor who parties till two in the morning. Can I pray judgment on that neighbor? Or let's go further up. Uh, can I pray judgment on a murderer? Can I pray judgment on someone who commits horrible crimes and abuses others? Because I thought we were called to love our enemies. So can I pray judgment on them? I I actually don't believe that this is the point that David is making. Uh, I believe that David, what David is doing is he's bringing a situation to God. He's giving it to the Lord. David's second response is to give it to the Lord. And we see uh, verses 6 to 9, he proclaims how God can judge his enemies. And then verses uh, 10 to 13, he appeals to God's character. And I love the way David does that, that he uses the character of God to bring uh, his petitions uh, to God. However, in all of this, God is recognizing, um, sorry, David is recognizing God has the power, he has the ability, and he has the strength to do these things he himself cannot. David has a problem which he cannot solve, Therefore, he's given it to God who can. It's such a simple thing, but something that I tend to forget, and I'm pretty sure you forget to do uh, as well. Honestly, ask yourself how many times have you got into situations and just decided to deal with it yourself? Just hitting it head on, like I said in the beginning. But in reality, we just make it worse for ourselves, digging a deeper hole for us to jump into. We must be like David and just give it to God because it can be hard in times like this. We become impatient and we like things to be done straight away because it suits us that way. But we must remember, as you know, God is long-suffering. He's slow to anger. But then again, he is also righteous and just. And we need to remember this. Having said that, it's actually interesting to... Uh, point out uh, David has talked about God's anger and wrath yet alongside it he talks about his righteousness how can they work uh, together how can they 
you know, isn't it contradictory? Because uh, verses 6 to 11 talks about his anger. Uh, well, it's not 6 to 11, 6 and 11. 6 says, um, arise, Lord, in your anger. And 11 says, a God who displays his wrath every day. Then we have verses 9 and 11, which proclaim his righteousness. So we've got verse 9, um, you, the righteous God who proves mind. And 11, God is a righteous judge. How can they work together, righteousness and anger? Is that not contradictory? I think they can. I think they do work together. I think we can call it a righteous anger. When we think of anger, we think of how we get angry. Um, We get angry because of something done against us and we want retaliation. But God's anger is against evil, which is the complete opposite of who he is. Good. God is not primarily angry. No, he's primarily righteous. But God's anger is a byproduct of his righteousness. Now, continuing on in God's character, I was saying to you that um, I love how David uh, appeals to to God's character. Um, Verses 10 to 13, he he does this. Um, David certainly has got away with words in, in the way he does it. And here he talks about how powerful he is. How, how strong he is, the ability he has, and how he is the protection uh, that we need. In giving it to God, God is recognizing the power and ability God has. And the, yet he's understanding the weakness and helplessness he himself is in. Again, mentioning before, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So can I ask you today, um, have you given your problem to God? Or are you trying to face it yourself? Have you prayed that he will take this burden off of you? Or even, are you sitting here today and, and saying, Aaron, thanks for this, thanks, it's, it's good what you're saying, but I, I'm, this doesn't relate to me, I'm not in a situation like this, I'm not going through a problem. Then I would say to you, get ready. What do I mean by that? Learn your lessons now. Do your homework. Grow uh, in a stable relationship with God. So when the hard times do hit, you'll be prepared. Uh, it reminds me of a friend from Germany. Uh, this friend, uh, at the time, he had three kids. They were really young. Uh, and his wife was seriously ill. Um, she was that ill that she was going to die. And what he said to me really um, jumped out at me. It really challenged me. Um, but also encouraging as well. What he said is, I'm glad of one thing. I'm glad I know how to pray. I'm glad I know my God and what he is capable of. I know that I have a strong relationship with God. He knew his God and he knew what he was capable of. He knew he could give it to God in this situation. So I'd like to encourage you to be able to um, learn your lessons now. Because I'm pretty sure one day your boat will be rocked. And I'd like you, for you to be able to say what my friend did and say, I know my God. I know how to pray to him. When David gave it to the Lord, he also uh, went on to say what he knew for certain. Um, it, 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 he, what he did is he turned to the Lord and he, he, he gave it to the Lord saying, Lord, I, I give it to you. I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I'll give it to you. But I know this for certain. 
And what, was, what did he know for certain in verses uh, 14 to 17? Uh, I love the imagery that he used. Whoever is pregnant with evil conceives trouble and gives birth to disillusionment. That whoever is evil and whoever is trouble will bring it to themselves. And David's right there, right? We can um, see it all through the Bible. King Saul, in his situation, King Saul uh, went his own way. He wanted to kill David. But he was killed by his own sword. Uh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh wanted to kill Jewish um, male babies who wanted to drown them. But he himself and his armies were drowned. And then coming closer, um, speed up the history. Haman, Haman built gallows for Mordecai to be hung on. But he himself was hung on those same gallows. David was confident in the fact that God will bring judgment to evil. So not only had he turned to the Lord, given it to the Lord, but he is trusting it to the Lord because he is confident in what the Lord can do. He knows what he is capable of. And he had a peace of mind to know that God is in control. It's a truth that we can hold on today to as well. Uh, let me read you uh, Romans 12, verse 19. It should be on the board. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. We can believe these words today. It might not happen today. It might not happen tomorrow. But guess what? It will happen. It will come. God will bring justice to evil. And this is a truth that we can hold on to. It's a scary thought, but it's a comfort for us as Christians to know God is in control and he will bring justice. We don't need to dwell on it anymore. We can trust it to the Lord that he will do these things. Uh, let me tell you a, a story. I hope you haven't heard it before. Um, in 1859, there was a, a man named Charles Blondin. He is a French tight rope walker, uh, and he wanted to. He, he travelled to the uh, across the Atlantic to Niagara Falls, and he wanted to try something that no one had done uh, before. He wanted to walk across Niagara Falls on the tightrope. So on the appointed day, a tightrope was stretched across uh, Niagara Falls, uh, and thousands of people turned up. There was a huge crowd, um, one on the American side and one on the Canadian side. And uh, so Charles Blondin, he turned up uh, and he got near the tightrope and he put one step on, uh, one foot on, then the other. And step by step, inch by inch, he made it to the other side and the crowd cheered him on. They were so amazed that he'd done such a thing. Then he said, I- I'm going to do this again. And the crowd were like, no way. So he, he, he put his foot on the, the tightrope again, he put the other foot on. Step by step, inch by inch. He made it to the other side. The crowd were amazed. They went mental. And then he said this. He said this. You'll not believe what he said. He said, I'm going to do this yet again. But in fact, I, I got a wheelbarrow this time. And I'm going to fill it all with rocks. And I'm going to go across it with a wheelbarrow full of rocks. So like, oh, you can't do that, surely. And he did. He, he got the wheelbarrow on the tightrope. And he walked across it. And the crowd went mental. It was a crazy event. But not only that, he decided to do it again and again and again, going back and forth with this wheelbarrow full of rocks across the tightrope. 
And the crowd were loving it. They were, they were just amazed. Until one, one time he stopped in front of the crowd. And he said to the crowd, Do you believe that I can do this again? The crowd shouted, We believe you can do this again and again and again. So he, he, he looked at the crowd again and said this, Do you believe that actually I, I could take one of you? And what he did is he got the wheelbarrow and chucked all the rocks out and said, Do you believe that one of you could get in this wheelbarrow and I'll take you across? And the crowd was like, Yeah, we believe, we believe. So he, he looked at the crowd and said, if you believe, one of you, one of you get in and, and I'll, I'll take you across. Silence. No one volunteered. Now, I don't want you to be people who say, I, I believe in God can do this, but actually not truly believe it in your heart. I would love for you to go out today and to know that you can believe God can do it, but not just say it, to know it in your heart that he will. I would like you to have full confidence that he will deal with these situations. To be able to have a peace of mind that David did. And because of that confidence you have in the Lord. In fact, let's read the last verse. We we can see the confidence that David did have. Uh, Verse 17, it says this. I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing the praises of the name of the Lord Most High. Do you see how turning to the Lord and giving it to the Lord and trusting it to the Lord just gives him this joy, this peace of mind that he knows that it's in God's hand now. He's in control. Just trust it to the Lord. Let go. And again, uh, if you're not going through this now, uh, we are told that we're going to come across this. We're going to come across persecution, situations like this. Uh, do you remember back in October, November time, we were doing a series on Matthew 10. We looked at Jesus sending out his disciples and he gave them a bunch of warnings. He said, we're sheep among wolves. He promised that persecution uh, will come and we are to be ready for it. So be prepared, learn your lessons now. As Jesus said, be on your guard. Learn your lessons now. Also rejoice and be glad in it. Sounds silly, but this is something that God is using in our life to draw us to him so that we can do what David did to to be able to turn to him, give it to him and trust in him. And that will strengthen our relationship to him. Our natural instinct will obviously want it to stop. We'll, We'll try and run, we'll flee from it. But we want to suffer as Paul did so many times in the New Testament. Rejoice and be glad in it. Let me read you actually uh, from Philippians uh, Philippians 4. Uh, let me read it. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Does that not sound like what David just did? He brought his prayers and petitions to God in thanksgiving. And he had this peace that surpasses all understanding. He had this. We need to be rejoiced and glad. Because we know that God is in control. 
So I ask you again, will you do these things? Will you trust in him? Will you give it to him? Will you, will you turn to him? Will you give it to him? And will you trust it to him? Shall we pray? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, uh, for this psalm and, and what David said in it. We thank you, Lord, that you do bring trials in our life um, to be able to be drawn closer to you. Uh, I pray that we would do it as what David did to be able to turn to you, um, for, for us to come to you first, seeking help, because we know that you're the only one, you're the only true, the true one that can save us from these situations. We pray, Lord, we'd give it to you, but not only that, that we would believe that we can give it to you and trust it to you. That we would truly believe that you are able to deal with these situations. We pray that in our life as we come across hard times that you'd be with us. Um, but we would remember you in, in our troubles. Thank you, Lord, uh, again for this psalm. We pray that we'd continue to, to learn from it. Uh, and it wouldn't be one of those things we get goosebumps and, uh, and forget about it the next morning. But this is something that we'd work on in our lives day by day uh, as we grow, um, wanting to love you and know you more. So we thank you for these truths. And we pray this in your precious holy name. Amen.